Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. There's a new Jesus movement that is happening. Now's the time to be focused, to be focused on Jesus, to run, to run like we've never ran before, not to get distracted, not to live in fear. Be smart, be aware, wise as serpents, gentle as doves, right? That's how we ought to be. And if a plague sweeps through our nation, then yeah, we want to be aware of that. We want to be safe in that sense. But man, who's running into the fires to save people? The world needs God more than ever today. As the end times get closer and closer, you need to dig deeper into God's Word daily. You need to be prepared to spread God's Word to as many people as you can because they desperately need it. Pastor James is going to encourage you today to be willing to stand up for God no matter the opposition because there's going to be very chaotic and troubling times coming. You need to be focused on Jesus and bring others to the same hope of salvation. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 16 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Armies are going to gather together and they're going to storm Israel. Israel, which I'll get off camera, so if you're watching, no worries. But like Israel, you know, New Jersey, it's a small nation. Why in the world would all these countries at this point in time, when it's like all this wrath is being poured out, why would they want to go against Israel? Well, there's a few reasons. Number one, they're probably blaming all the Jews. This is a very anti-Semitic attack, for sure. So they're going to blame all the Jews because, well, it's their God who is causing all these problems, is what the world is going to say. There's some other things concerning Israel. There is a um, huge natural gas site right off the shores of Israel. Huge. Multi-billions dollars that is represented by this natural gas. When supplies and resources are decimated all across the globe... If you're aware of some, you're going to go and get them. Now, I can tell you right now, there are a lot of countries that even today have their eye on Israel for the natural gases alone. So there was always going to be conflict with Israel. We know that. From the beginning, there was always going to be conflict with Israel, but even more so during this last time. And they will march. They will march across, and there's nothing to stop them. They will march across, and their target is Israel, and they will end up in the valley of Megiddo, which is the perfect place to have a global war. Napoleon said that himself when he visited Israel. He looked over into the valley of Megiddo, this valley of Armageddon, okay? But the Megiddo, he looked over and he says, this is the perfect place to have a war. It is well suited for it. You can stand on the mountaintops there, and you can look down into that valley, and it's huge, and it's wide, and it's almost as if it was made for a battle. And these armies will converge, because now the Euphrates River has been dried up. So there's nothing standing in their way, nothing at all. But before you get there, I mean, it is a beautiful river. It's kind of like that. You know, obviously, as with all rivers, it can get narrow at some points, but then it gets pretty wide, too. But this is the beautiful Euphrates River. 
just flowing right there in the Middle East. Beautiful river. Look at the green and all that stuff. All that water is going to be gone. It will be blood at one point in time, right? So we know that. It'll be blood. Then it'll flood. It'll overflow its banks. And then it'll completely dry up. It'll completely dry up. There you go. If you never get a chance to go and visit the Euphrates River, well, there's one image for you. That's what it looks like. It's beautiful. Who doesn't like a river? We're Texans. We love floating down the river, right? Float down the river. You got your cooler with you and your whatever else, and you're just floating down the river, okay? I'm sure other states like to do that as well, but bye-bye Euphrates. It'll be gone. But it opens up like this highway, so to speak, for these armies to come against it. But before there, but before you even get to that, you need a little bit of coercing, right? You need somebody to stir these guys up and get them together. This is where this next weird part comes in. It says, verse 13, I saw three evil spirits that look like frogs leap out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, that's the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. These miracle-working demons, they have the ability to show signs and wonders, caused all the rulers of the world to gather for battle against the Lord, against the Lord, on that great judgment day of God Almighty. That great judgment day is what all your Old Testament prophets, for the most part, have been referencing, the day of the Lord, this great day of the Lord, this great judgment day of the Lord. Well, here it is. But you get these three demonic spirits, Okay, They originate from Satan, from the Antichrist, and from the false prophet. And John describes them as they look like frogs, Okay, Um, But they're just demons. They're demonic. They're kind of like those demon locusts, right? John's like, they look like this. They look creepy. They look weird. They come out from their mouths. There's, there's this influence that these guys have over these kings, this manipulation that's going on, where the kings of the world uh, kind of get together. And who are all the kings that are represented here? You know what? I think you'd be safe to say probably all of them. Probably all of them. You're like, was this just like in the Orient? Or, you know, is this just like on this continent, this Asian continent, that's just their deal? It seems as though when it says to all the rulers of the world, it means all the rulers of the world. Could that include our great country of the United States of America? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It very well could be. We don't know. At this point in time, though, you have this one world government type thing, so, which would mean that, by and large, your nations are all on the same page together, OK? Um, and that includes from every continent. So from North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, uh, if there is anybody on Antarctica, those few scientists that live down there, if they're still there or not, maybe they get raptured out. But all these leaders kind of converge to like this one world kind of like governing thing, okay? We've already seen that represented through like the multiple horns and, and all that stuff. But they all kind of come together on the same page. And so, yeah, other nations are represented by these individuals because these plagues and this judgment is being poured out onto all of mankind, meaning that Wherever the people live, if they are in rebellion against God or have rejected Jesus, they're all part of the team. 
And I'm sad to tell you that there will be Americans that will be a part of that team. You already know that. We already know that. The rulers will come together. In listening to these other, well, these demons basically speaking to them, they'll come to this conclusion that, you know what? Things are really bad for us. And it seems like they might only get worse. And they would be right at making that assessment. So like, well, why don't we just kind of come together and fight against this? We can kind of come together and unite against God, which is just, again, history repeating itself. All the way back into Genesis with the Tower of Babel. Humanity's like, hey, why don't we just come together and prove that we're stronger and better and smarter than God? Didn't work out for those guys. Definitely not going to work out for these guys. But that's just where they're at. So they could battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of God Almighty. Verse 15, here's a little note of encouragement, not just for us, but for the people. It says, take note or look, I will come unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are those who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed, right? It's like, be aware, be watching. Take heart, be steadfast, be immovable, stay with it, don't give up. What a word for the people that would be actively going through this time. That's a word that they would need to hear. So I don't know how that gets broadcast out to them or how it gets proclaimed out there to them, but this word comes to them. And this may be John just being like, man, like the Holy Spirit's inspiring to be like, hey, this is heavy. We're reading through this. And can you imagine John and the readers for him in that day? Because they were feeling like, we're already there, right? Like, we're living through this stuff is what they were thinking. And even at times, we're thinking the same thing where we're like, are we sure this isn't like revelation? Are we sure? Like, did we miss something? So even if that is us, well, the same verse of the same word of encouragement applies to you and I. Take note. Look out, be aware, I come as unexpectedly as a thief. Jesus is saying, hey, look, you better be aware, you better be alert, be paying attention, keep watching for me, keep walking in a way that's circumspect, this walking in the way of like, kind of just, I'm ready, I'm ready, like staff in hand, I mean, I'm like ready to go, you know, eyes in the sky, looking for the Lord kind of a thing, still you know, about the Lord's work here on this planet, because you still got to be about him on this planet. You still have a job to do. We still have a mission, you know, that we've all been commissioned into. But it's that thing where you're like, you're walking around, you're paying attention to the signs, and you're paying attention to the things that are happening in this world. And even the things that we're watching nowadays should all be like triggering these little things, these flags within our brain saying like, oh, Jesus, I think you're coming soon. I think you got to be coming soon, right? Like, I hope I'm not reading this wrong, but it really feels like he could be coming back any day now. And maybe he will. But what if he doesn't? What if it's years from now? The point of it is this. You keep walking with him. You keep following him. You keep serving him. It could be 100 years from now. You follow him until the very end, and whatever the very end looks like for you, you run your race. You run your race, not distracted. Distraction is like one of the tools and techniques of the enemy, right? He loves to do that. And he can even take real things like a virus and use it as a distraction to get your eyes off of Jesus. 
which, hello, we're living in those days right now. Why is it that one-third of Christians don't even go to church anymore? Why is it that one-third of church-going believers don't even watch online services anymore? Do you know those stats? This is your corona. This is the world in which you live right now. This is the church world. A third of people, and we don't, I can't say that they're believers or non-believers. It's not my place to judge them or anything like that. But when Barna puts out a poll that says, hey, a third of people who used to go to church before corona, this same year, don't even watch online services. They don't go to church. They don't even watch online services. That's a third. That's a big number. We've actually seen that number all throughout Revelation. It's a distraction. Is the virus real? Yeah, totally. It is. There's no denying it. It's a real thing. But should it stop us from walking with Jesus? No. Should it stop us from going to church? No. No. Now, I am compassionate. If people have compromised immune systems, then by all means, do church at home. Praise God for technology because we can live stream into all sorts of homes all across the world. So if that's you, then be smart, be safe, for sure. But if that's not you, then why aren't you at church? My goodness, these are the days to go to church. These are the days to go to church. These are not the days to hide. If health is not an issue for you, then I think the church should be coming back stronger than ever. I think that's why you have kids in California on the beach having revivals, because they're like, we're sick of it. We're sick of the nonsense. Tell us that we can't go to church. Fine, we'll figure it out. I hope and I pray that that's the attitude globally for believers everywhere. Because it's a sad thing when churches are shut down, but they're not really shut down. You don't have to stop coming to church. That's not a rule. That's not an enforceable law. I pray we all turn out like kids in Southern California who are like, we'll worship Jesus on the beach. We'll start a new Jesus movement. And that's what they're doing. That's what's happening in your country right now. There's a new Jesus movement that is happening. Now's the time to be focused, to be focused on Jesus, to run, to run like we've never ran before, not to get distracted, not to live in fear. Be smart, be aware, wise as serpents, gentle as doves right? That's how we ought to be. And if a plague sweeps through our nation, then yeah, we want to be aware of that. We want to be safe in that sense. But man, who's running into the fires to save people? We can't do that when we're hiding. You know what I'm saying? Like, now's the time. Be smart, but also, and just like this verse says, he's coming. He's coming back. And I hope when he comes back, he doesn't find me hiding out. I pray that when Jesus comes back, he does not find me like, James, why are you acting like Adam? Why are you acting like Adam and Eve, playing hide and seek in the garden? No, I hope when he comes back that he finds all of us, all of us serving him. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. That doesn't mean like at one point in time, you did something for Jesus and that was it. It means you ran that race from start to finish, bloody knees, bloody elbows, because you're a mess just like I am. You're falling all over the place because you're just like me. We're all in this thing together. We're all sinners. And he's there to pick us back up and put us back on the track and to say, keep on running. He's coming back. The finish line's there. The finish line's right there. It is.
Let's not get distracted. And let's live our lives in such a way where we don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to be ashamed. Verse 16 says, they gather all the rulers and their armies to a place called Armageddon in Hebrew. Okay, so it's Armageddon in Hebrew. And so this is Megiddo. Okay, so this is where other battles have taken place. This is where Barak and Deborah um, fought their battle. This is where Gideon fought his battle. This is where King Saul died. This is where uh, Josiah, I believe, he died in uh, Megiddo as well. So this is a common battlefield all throughout the Bible for sure. But they all gathered to this place called Armageddon in Hebrew. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, into the atmosphere. And a mighty shout came from the throne of the temple in heaven saying, it is finished. What? Have you heard that before? You have. Jesus said the same thing from the cross as he's there pinned to this piece of wood. And he says, it is finished. Now, which one do you want? You want the one that Jesus said, or do you want the one that this angel says? Now, I think everybody here is on the Jesus side. But I don't know if you're watching from wherever you're watching. Maybe you're just tuning in. You don't want this, it is finished, okay? You don't want to be around when this one shouted out. We weren't around when Jesus shouted out his, but we benefit from that one because when he says it is finished, it means that he took on all the wrath, all our sins. It is finished is what Jesus cried from the cross. That's what you want. That's what we want. There's another it is finished to come. This means the seventh bowl has been poured out. All the judgment, all that stuff has been poured out onto the earth, so to speak, understanding that the sun was affected and here the atmosphere is affected as well. And it says, then thunder crashed and rolled and lightning flashed and there was an earthquake. Wait a minute. This happened too at the cross. Remember there was an earthquake? There was thunder and lightning a veil that was torn, rent asunder, a huge veil separating, you know, the entrance into the Holy of Holies, which meant Jesus' death on the cross meant direct access to God. But here's some more thunder and lightning. And there was an earthquake greater than ever before in human history. That's like pretty significant. Like your seismologists and your Richter scale and all that stuff, like there's not even a number that they have that can measure this one. There's no number that can even measure this one. And we've seen in our history, even recent history, large earthquakes. We remember the one that was, you know, kind of over there by Asia, and this earthquake happened, and it caused this giant tsunami to take the lives of like 224,000 people. I think it was like a nine point something was that earthquake. Massive, huge, massive. I remember being a little kid and watching when the massive earthquake hit San Francisco. I was watching the World Series. And I remember that, the whole story. And I remember seeing bridges that collapsed and, you know, squashed cars and all that stuff and roads that were like torn apart and, I mean, just craziness. None of those earthquakes have anything on this one. This one's going to be so bad. Look what it does. It says that there's this giant earthquake, one as though our earth has never experienced in all of human history. It says the great city of Babylon split into three pieces uh, the cities around the world fell into heaps of rubble. So those weren't, that weren't demolished by, you know, whatever other cataclysmic events, they turn into rubble. And it says, so God remembered all of Babylon's sins, and he made her drink from the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath. Uh-oh, Galveston, you're in verse 20. Oh, no, Galveston Island is in verse 20 of Revelation chapter 16. 
Um, and every island disappeared. <laughs> That's not good news. Yeah, yeah. All islands because of this earthquake. Now, the islands have already been decimated by, if you have all the ice caps that melt and everything gets flooded, which is kind of what we think will happen, so you get this double whammy. Islands disappear. And maybe you're like, well, I'm not really an island person. I'm more of a mountain person. Oh, oh, just keep reading. Uh, and all the mountains were leveled. Oh, no. Now you're a plains person. Now you're like me growing up in Amarillo, OK? Now you're like, oh, there's no water and there's no mountains, right? The world goes flat, not flat earth, OK? We're not that. But just no mountains, no islands. Some people would say this is the great remodel that is happening. Great home renovation happening. God's like, you know what? Um, you guys kind of messed up my creation. You messed up my earth. So I'm going to rebuild it. I'm going to rebuild it. So I'm going to tear it all down and build it all back up. And here you go. Mountains are leveled. Islands are gone. Says there was a terrible uh, hailstorm and hailstones weighing 75 pounds. That's a huge chunk of ice. I've been in hailstorms in Amarillo where they're the size of softballs, and they look like comets or meteors, and they come crashing through your ceiling, through your roof, into your living room. That's crazy. That's end-of-the-world type stuff. 75-pound chunk of ice falling from the sky onto people. And all of humanity gathers together, and they say, you know what? God, we made a bad decision. We made a bad choice. Is it too late to say sorry, Justin Bieber would say? Oh, I think it is. They don't even want to say sorry. They don't even want to repent of their sins. It says they curse God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. Great earthquake, all this stuff. People are getting squashed literally by these hailstones. And it says the people turn their direction or their focus to God and they curse him. How dare you? How dare you? It says in our Bibles, New Living Translation, it says this hailstorm, which was a very terrible plague, which was a terrible plague, you know, because of the terrible plague of this hailstorm. They lose it. They lose it. It's like this is the straw that broke the camel's back. And they're like, all right, this is enough. This is enough, God. We hate you. We hate everything about you. We despise you. We can't stand you. We don't want you. We reject you. We want nothing to do with you. We don't care that there's salvation. We don't care what your son did. We don't care that your son already drank from this cup of suffering, from this cup of wrath. We do not care. We hate you, and you are messing up our world. You're messing up our comfort. You're messing up everything that we worship. And they spit in his face. They spit in his face. Seven trumpets, seven seals. Seven trumpets, seven bowls, complete judgment, complete judgment, done. It's all done. There are still a few things to be dealt with. Uh, 17 and 18, we'll deal with those things. This great prostitute, we'll talk about what that means and what that kind of looks like and how I had a dream about her one time. That really just totally changed my life uh, and my walk with Jesus. Uh, I'll tell you all about that next week. Um, the fall of Babylon. And then we'll get into songs of victory and a millennial reign of Christ and a new heaven and a new earth and a happily ever after.
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James teaches through the book of Revelation. Some days it may feel like the choices you make don't really matter in the long run, but the book of Revelation teaches us otherwise. There will come a day when the decisions you make today will impact your future. There will come a day when all that is evil will be cast away and the darkness will no longer have dominion. So take a moment and think about your life. Are you making decisions that are good and holy, or are you making decisions that will hinder your relationship with the Lord? If it's the latter, be encouraged. God doesn't leave or forsake. Seek Him and ask Him to help you overcome the darkness. He is faithful, and He has the power to restore you. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more verse-by-verse messages from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Teachings tab. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we'd love to have you visit. For directions and service times, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to hear from you too. So send us a quick note in the contact tab at breadforthebroken.com if you've been blessed by this program. There's still a lot to learn from the book of Revelation, but that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time for Bread for the Broken.